Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. This is the show that respects your intelligence. We honor you as a citizen. And we bring you the stories that the mainstream media, well, just too often ignore. And tonight we're going to begin with big news. A lot of it ignored or downplayed by the mainstream media. And that is that former Trump advisor Carter Page has filed a $75 million lawsuit against multiple high-ranking Obama Department of Justice officials. That includes James Comey, Andrew McCabe, the FBI, the Department of Justice itself, and several others over what the suit notes are violations of Page's constitutional rights stemming from surveillance that was carried out on him. The lawsuit seeks accountability and damages against the individuals and the agencies who reportedly wronged Page via unlawful surveillance and investigation. And the suit alleges that Page was targeted for surveillance because of his lawful association with the 2016 presidential campaign of Donald Trump. The suit argues that four false and misleading warrant applications permitted government officials to engage in electronic surveillance of Page. Now, the Justice Department has already conceded that it had insufficient evidence to justify at least two of the four warrants against Page. And the defendants in this case, the suit claims, fabricated or intentionally disregarded critical evidence and misled the court to obtain the FISA warrants. Well, joining us now to talk about the case is Tim Parlatori, an attorney for Carter Page. Many of you will recognize Tim, who served as the lawyer for Eddie Gallagher. Gallagher, you'll remember, was the Navy SEAL, falsely accused of murder, who was supported by President Trump. Tim, thanks so much for, for joining us, man. Uh, first question for all of our viewers. Just give us a little background. Remind everybody, who is Carter Page? What happened to him? And why is he now suing the FBI James Comey, Andrew McCabe, and others. Sure. Carter Page is a patriotic American. He's a man who served his country, uh, was an Annapolis graduate, uh, served as naval intelligence officer, and went on to a career where he did use his contacts uh, in Russia to actually work for the government, work for the FBI and CIA uh, to try and assist. And four years ago, he had a... a role with the Trump campaign, advising them on foreign uh, affairs. And as a result of that, he got caught up into this uh, FISA abuse ring where members of the DOJ uh, unlawfully surveilled him by pre presenting evidence uh, to the FISA court to get this permission that was completely insufficient. And they didn't do it just once. They did it four times so that they could surveil him for an entire year even though they had no evidence that he had done anything wrong. Now, wow. over the past four years, uh, the information about that illegal operation has come out through the IG report from Inspector Horowitz, uh, through various Senate and, and congressional committees. And so really, this lawsuit represents kind of the culmination of all that and Carter Page finally standing up and saying, OK, 
these people who have completely destroyed my life, I want to hold them accountable and I want to be made whole. Yeah, and, and for our viewers again, let's just break this down. Uh, for people who haven't followed this as closely, just remind everybody, what is FISA? You know, what is the FISA court and how was the court misled to allow this surveillance of a patriotic American citizen, Mr. Page? Sure. FISA is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. And really what that is, is part of uh, the law regarding intelligence operations is that they're not allowed to target U.S. persons. You know, the CIA and, and DIA and all these agencies, they're not allowed to surveil you know, me and you. They're supposed to be focused on foreign intelligence. But occasionally they do run into circumstances where they need to surveil a U.S. person. So they have a specific procedure to go to a court uh, to present evidence to the court and to have a judge approve it. And it is specifically designed to prevent rogue government actors uh, from going off and doing exactly what they did here of abusing their incredible position of trust uh, within the law enforcement and intelligence community to target U.S. citizens. You know, Tim, as, as you mentioned, like a lot of this evidence has already come out and, you know, you're. You're, you're a great lawyer. Uh, you are representing Mr. Page. You've done a great job valiantly defending Ali Ga Eddie Gallagher. So, so no offense here, but, but why are you doing this? Um, it, it seems that people in power who it sounds like have already admitted to, to breaking the law, shouldn't they be held accountable by, by law enforcement? Why does Mr. Page need to go to a civil court to be holding people accountable for this? You know, Eric, you've hit the hit nail right on the head. And, you know, I'm not the only attorney on this. There's four uh, law firms that are working mm -hmm. together for our page. But I shouldn't have to do this. Mm -hmm. A private lawyer shouldn't have to go through the investigation and civil prosecution of this case. This is something that the DOJ and the government should have taken care of during these past four years. You know, there's not really a circumstance where they should allow somebody like me to sit down and interrogate Jim Comey or Andrew McCabe or Peter Strzok for eight hours at a time to try and get to the truth. This is something that the government should have done. And since they haven't, Carter Page had no alternative. He has to go into the civil courts and we have to do it for him. Yeah. And again, just, you know, for, for all of our viewers, this is a guy who is a patriotic citizen. And it sounds like it, to this point, the only reason that he was put under surveillance was because he was associated, legally associated with President Trump's 2016 campaign. I mean, break this down for, for all of our viewers who believe that they have constitutional rights, that they shouldn't be surveilled by their government without evidence. And yet that seems to be what, what happened here. Correct. And just to be clear, Carter Page has never spoken with Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. you know, he, he assisted in part of the campaign. Uh, but it's not like he is a you know a close Trump insider right. or anything like that. And so one of the things that we're pushing in this lawsuit is accountability to make sure that this doesn't happen to anybody else. And you know we intentionally waited until after the 2020 election was concluded before filing this lawsuit because we didn't want anybody to think that this is some type of a uh, political ploy. You know, just because Carter Page was associated with the Trump campaign does not, to us, make this a political fight. This is a legal fight. It's about the facts and the law. 
And no matter what side of the aisle or what campaign Carter Page was associated with, the fact is that these individuals broke the law and they need to be held accountable. Yeah, absolutely. And and one, you know, one thing that I think a lot of our, our viewers recognize, Tim, is that folks like Andrew McCabe, uh, James Comey, they've been called to testify in front of Congress. But as anybody who's watched one of those hearings knows, uh, you know, the, the mic gets passed from senator to senator or representative to representative, and they only have so much time. In a civil suit now, you're going to have the opportunity to sit down with a James Comey, with an Andrew McCabe, and you're going to be able to ask them questions for seven, eight hours in a videotaped uh, deposition. Can you give us a sense for the line of questioning that you're going to be pursuing and what the American people can possibly expect about the information that's likely to, to come out as we dig further into this case? Well, obviously, I can't give you the the whole strategy uh, now, but you know, you you're absolutely right that in the Senate committee hearing they can run out the clock, whereas mm -hmm. they can't really do that uh, the same with me. And you know what what our team intends to do is to get deep into the entire process with these individuals. You know, if you look at these hearings, Andrew McCabe uh, just two weeks ago was defending. Uh, the fact that they opened the investigation says mm. we were right to open the investigation. We don't accept that, but even under the premise that maybe they were right to open the investigation, why did you renew the warrant three times? You you get the warrant, you surveil them for three months, you find absolutely nothing. And at that point, you go back to a judge and you say, hey, we still believe that there's probable cause that Carter Page is acting as a foreign intelligence asset, even though we found absolutely zero over the past three months. And we think that by going back and looking at the exact same phone again for another three months that we're somehow going to find something? Absolutely not. It, it, it makes no sense. And any junior agent who's just started their career and is doing low-level drug investigations knows if you surveil a phone and you don't get anything off of it, you move on to another investigative technique. Right. If you surveil a phone and then leak it to the media that you're spying on this individual, guess what? Even if they were doing something, they're not going to go talking on that phone anymore. So what you have here is a situation where very senior people within the FBI are doing things that make absolutely no sense, and they never really... You know, you can run out the clock by focusing on, you know, we were right to start the investigation. Okay, why'd you continue it? You know, what, why did it go on for a whole year when right in the beginning you knew that there wasn't anything there? And, yeah, and, 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 and it something... sounds like they didn't get any any additional evidence, you know, no. in, in those those first few months. Tim, just just in the no. in the thirty seconds or so that we that we have left, what can our viewers expect in terms of a timeline? I think so many people have been wanting justice to come for what happened, you know, related to these efforts to to overturn the twenty sixteen election, the, the surveillance of the Trump campaign. What what can people expect here in terms of timeline in the next in the next couple of weeks and months? Well, federal civil litigation is not a speedy process. Mm. Uh, it's a very deliberate process, and so this case can go on for the next couple of years. Uh, but I do expect that we'll be relatively soon in the next few months uh, getting into initial motions and then getting into to the discovery. 
Awesome. And that's where they're going to have to turn over all these documents. Documents, we'll that, by the way, turn, turn over the documents and, and also sit sit down with with you, Tim. Well, we'll we'll certainly look forward to having you having you you that should be declassified, and we'll we'll look forward to having you back on, folks. That's Tim Parlatori, attorney for Carter Page. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Let's talk about Georgia for a second. After an audit, hand recount, and a series of allegations regarding voting irregularities, the state has resumed its second recount effort, and the recount in Fulton County, Georgia, has been delayed due to a crash of a Dominion voting system server. This is the third delay of the recount, and now Dominion technicians have reportedly, quote, been dispatched to resolve the issue. These are the same Dominion voting systems that, as all of you know, have been the subject of controversy around the country. The integrity of their voting software has come under fire, most notably in Pennsylvania, where the state Senate has convened hearings and Dominion reps have refused to attend. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger's office released a statement that they were aware of the problem and that the measures were being taken to, quote, resolve it. How much faith can we have in the state's ability to really address these questions clearly? The president doesn't seem to have much faith. Take a listen here. Everything has to be approved by the legislature. And they had judges making deals and they had uh, electoral officials making deals like this character in Georgia who's a disaster, and the governor's done nothing. He's done absolutely nothing. I'm ashamed that I endorsed him. But you, I look at what's going on. It's so terrible. But what happened in this election, Maria, I can't imagine has ever happened before. Now, that follows the news of a federal judge who issued a temporary restraining order late Sunday night that barred Georgia election officials from resetting or otherwise going in and altering Dominion voting system machines that were used during the presidential election. From the outside looking in, it looks like Georgia's having a real set of challenges with their election. To help us to get a better understanding of what's really happening on the ground, I'd like to welcome in a friend of the program, Georgia State Representative Vernon Jones. Mr. Jones has served as a state representative in the Georgia House of Representatives since 2017. Mr. Jones, great to have you back on with us, sir. You've been out there on the front lines. Please give our viewers a perspective. What do you think is really happening on the front lines there in Georgia? Well, what's happening here in Georgia is what's happening around the country. At least half the country feels as though that there are voting irregularities. There's no fair, transparent election here. At the same time, there are so many questions surrounding Dominion, the software, uh, those who are affiliated with it. It's just too much. You know, as my grandmother used to say back on the farm, there's a dead cat on the end of this line and it stinks. And and so with that, Eric, um, here it is almost three weeks later from the election. Yeah. And we're dealing in the largest voting 
county in the state of Georgia. We have 159 counties. This is the largest county. And to see through this, this audit or this recount, the software is breaking down. This is what happened during the elections. So this is what questions or allow for questions for me, other members who are elected officials, and more importantly, the citizens who vote in Georgia. And I am so surprised where are the Democrats on this, where mm -hmm. Stacey Abrams on this. She talked about election fraud when she lost badly uh, when she ran for governor. Where is she now? Where's the fair fight now? Um, and so that's what I'm appalled. I'm a lifelong Democrat, but I care about fairness and transparency yes. in this election. And so the president has more than a, a right to feel the way he's feel. The judge apparently felt some way that he's put a, a hold on these machines and, and what they no, what they would normally be doing in terms of going through the process. So it, it, it stinks. It stinks to high heaven. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that's it's really powerful here is that we have folks who are liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. I think what they appreciate is that we respect their intelligence, we honor them as citizens, and we bring them the facts. And that's what too oftentimes they're not getting from the mainstream media. In your mind, what are the top two or three questions that still need to be answered about the presidential election in Georgia? Well, first of all, through the software, can you change votes? Mm -hmm. Can you literally take votes from one person and give it to another through the software? And who would have access to that software? Those folks who run and own Dominion. Secondly, what about the verification of signatures? Can the machine actually verify signatures? That's a big issue. Mm -hmm. And third and more importantly, it seems like the bulk of this has been happening from mail-in ballots. Right. And for the Secretary of State to make some decisions on a lawsuit with Stacey Abrams without it going through the General Assembly, the General Assembly has the authority and should have the total authority in terms of setting what the state law is, especially for something as important as uh, voting and transparency and fairness and how we, fairness and how we vote. So th that is what makes Georgians so frustrated. That makes the people across this country so frustrated. And how is it, Eric, finally, Fulton County, mm -hmm. why is it, it why does it take almost a week and a half to count the votes when the entire state of California can count theirs within 24 to 48 hours? Right. Something is wrong with that. That is what got people in such doubt. That's why there's such a dark cloud of our elections here in Georgia. And you cannot say that people aren't being disenfranchised because we're finding ballots after the election, dead people are voting. The software is going up and down even after here we are for the audit where you run it back through again. Uh, this this just this is troubling and everybody should be outraged. We are not a third world country. We are the United States of America. We can track a package around the world, but we can't track these votes. We cannot track them. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, these outside groups with Stacey Abrams, these nonprofit groups and George Zoris mm -hmm. and all these groups that hide behind the Black Vote Matter, all these different uh, organizations out there who are interfering with this election, they're doing more to interfere with this election than China and, and Russia combined. Wait, there's certain there's a tremendous amount of frustration. I mean, we hear it from viewers every single day. They're frustrated because they don't feel like 
the votes are being properly audited, they're frustrated because they don't feel like the mainstream media is giving credence, even when you have people come out signing sworn affidavits saying that they saw or that they were part of or that they were you know, told to, to participate in voter fraud and you still get this message out there that there's no evidence of it. There's a tremendous amount of, of, of frustration out there. I want, I want to pick up on, on one thing that you touched on earlier, and that is, that is the, the state assembly, state representatives. You know, the Constitution, as you and I have talked about before, gives authority to the state legislatures to determine the time, place, and manner of elections. A lot of people are asking now, what's next? Is there any likely action that might come from the legislature in Georgia? Well, let me be clear about this. Mm -hmm. You said it right. The, the legislature sets the law. Yes. And the secretary of state is supposed to abide by what has been legislatively uh, uh, driven by the legislature. Now, with that being said, I would like for our governor, Governor Kemp, to call a special session mm -hmm. to allow the members of the General Assembly to have some oversight, some input, and look at what the secretary of state has done through his own individual capacity, which the legislature knew nothing about all the, uh, I would say, all of the agreeing that he did and, and, and cahooting and colluding with Stacey Abrams and her organization. And I say that because it was done in darkness. Mm. It wasn't done in the light of day. Why did the Secretary of State say to the legislature, look, and we had a special session uh, early on because of COVID, but why didn't he say, look, these are the things that they want to settle in this lawsuit? Let the legislature make that decision. That didn't happen. So I hope the governor would. There's still time for a special session. If he waits until we reconvene on January the, the 10th, it's too late then. Now's the time to do it. It'll be for, they can change it for future elections, but it needs to be changed now through a special session. And we only deal with that one item and that one item only. And, sir, if a special session were called, I know you would. You think there, you, you've got other colleagues who'd be prepared to really dig in and investigate what happened in the presidential election in Georgia. Here's what's troubling. I believe that the state legislature should reconvene. But you know who's fighting this? It's the Democrats. The Democrats are the one who's fighting this, and they have the nerve to talk about the recount is, is, is about disenfranchising minority votes and other voters. Wait a minute. There are too many African-Americans and minorities who want to see a recount, who mm -hmm. want to see an audit, who want to see the legislature be involved because they feel like they're the ones who are being disenfranchised. And, and, and that's what's troubling, that this should be a very bipartisan, a very collaborative effort, including... Uh, the governor, lieutenant governor, and the speaker of the house, and the legislature working with the secretary and addressing these issues. They are too crucial. I can tell you this. There's going to be some aftermath. There's going to be a ripple effect to this mm. because people have lost confidence in our election system. And it's going to cost a lot of people big, uh, uh, not only in the upcoming elections, but in the future until we really address I would say election fraud, because election fraud is more broad than voter fraud. Voter mm -hmm. fraud could be an individual. Election fraud is the software. Election fraud could be the machines. Election, election fraud can be harvesting the ballots and what you're doing with that. So it's much more broader than just voter fraud. This is about election fraud. And Mr. Jones, you're out there. You're, you're fighting this every day on the front lines. Where can folks follow you and where do you recommend that they go to get the latest uh, information about what's happening in, in Georgia? 
Thank you. They can follow me on Twitter at Rep Vernon Jones or my Facebook Rep Vernon Jones or Instagram Rep Vernon Jones. And and thank you because uh, in addition to the transparency and fairness of this election, Georgia is the battleground state, the true battleground state, state on where this country is going to go in the future. And we have a very important runoff, and you may be touching on this later, a very important runoff. Uh, in the Senate here. So I won't steal your thunder. I'll respond to your, your comments. But that's something that's real important. I, I, I do want to have you come back on, and we're going to talk about those those Georgia Senate runoffs in, uh, in another show. But just very briefly, in the 20 seconds that we have left, um, again, best source for folks to, to reach you at, it's at Rep. Vernon Jones. Follow him on Twitter. Follow him on, on Instagram. Sir, we very much appreciate you coming on this show, as always. Thank you for giving our viewers your perspective from right there on the front lines. Folks, we're going to keep an eye on everything that's happening in Georgia, and we'll be back in just a minute with more. Talk to you soon. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Look, you saw today Arizona officials certified the results of the state's election, yet it came on the same day is the president's legal team spoke during a public hearing in Arizona. Here's the president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, giving his opening statement. Take a listen. I don't think most people realize the kind of um, harassment, threats, horrible things that are said to you and your family because you're doing this. And again, I emphasize, we've let something really go wrong in this country when that happens. Some of you are old enough and some of you are not old enough to remember the McCarthy era. Well, this, I call this the McCarthy era on steroids. Um, people being actually fired from their jobs. We had a lawyer who was handling one of our major cases. His very distinguished law firm, can't be really much of a law firm, said that he couldn't remain with his law firm if he represented the President of the United States. If that isn't uh, censorship, if that isn't a form of despotism and, and distortion of the values of our country, I don't know what is. It started before, it's been going on for some time, like um, that kind of despotism and, and, and uh, authoritarianism, it always starts sl slowly. You could see it in things done 10, 12 years ago. I think the pandemic released the tendencies of left-wing, socialist-leaning, socialist governors, congressmen, senators, to move to where socialism always moves to. In the history of socialism, which is an old idea, not a new idea, authoritarianism is always the end result. Because when the government controls property, the government controls. Well, our Real America's Voice contributor, Ben Bergquam, has been in Arizona at the hearing, and he joins us now. Ben, good to see you. It's, it's my understanding that you actually got to speak with Rudy Giuliani earlier today. Uh, that's right, Eric, I did. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, right before the hearing started, uh, he was uh, standing around, or he was standing there and I invited him over and, and this is what he had to say about what we were expecting to hear today. 
All right, let's but what you should expect to hear is another group of witnesses like the ones in Pennsylvania that put the lie to the Democrat propaganda that there are no, there's no evidence. There's tons of evidence that they stole the election in Arizona, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Georgia, in Nevada. Each of those places, thousands and thousands of Republicans were kept away from seeing any of these mail-in ballots against the law. Not just for fun, it was done because the mail-in ballots are fraudulent. And we'll show that the machine company they were using, Dominion, is a machine company that really, its real expertise is how to change the vote, not how to count the vote. That's been true for 10 years. Why they would hire this company with the horrendous record it has, turned down by Texas, at one point thrown out of Chicago. Why, the only reason you'd hire this company is you were negligent, didn't do any due diligence, you just go on the internet. It's been cleaned up a little now. But just go on the internet and you can see its connection to Venezuela. So there are a lot of things that are gonna come out today. And what we saw in- Tremendous in inaccuracies in Maricopa County. There's no question, and I think our statistical analysts will point that out. President Trump won Arizona by a f fairly good margin and it was stolen from him. Mostly in Maricopa County, somewhat in Pima County, both with uh, just out and out fraud, keeping the inspectors away and then some manipulations of the machine, which we don't have the full scope of yet because they won't let us see the machines. Now, Ben, in addition to talking to Rudy Giuliani today, I know that you were also out, you were talking with folks on the street, you were talking with people who were actually involved in the hearings. Lots of evidence came out. Uh, ben, talk with us a little bit about what you saw, and I understand that, that you're there uh, with, with one of the witnesses today. Uh, yeah, Eric. So one of the things that was breathtaking to me was the amount of statistical analysis that came out, uh, mm. all kind of coming from different uh, angles, but converging on a similar uh, end result that there appears to be major fraud. And one of those uh, uh, those that was in the hearing, Bobby Python, yes, uh, was there. At, Bobby, just real quickly, what? What did your analysis show? And, and if you can break it down into simplest terms, uh, what did you do and then what did that analysis show? Sure, what I did is I wanted to look at who the voters were across every age group, as well as every precinct by classification, whether they were male, female, or undecided. And from that research, I was trying to see whether or not there was any sort of impropriety in the data. So that's, that's what my focus was on, is getting super granular. So to do that, I needed to create over 980,000 different classifications of voters in the Arizona election in 2020. And then I combined that information with the metadata from the state of Arizona over the past 22 years. So I went and took all the data off of the Arizona website to compute what the numbers should look like and how much they were deviating from that after identifying at least, I'm forecasting at least 120,000 and upwards of over 300,000 fictitious people. So out of the vote that we saw here in Arizona, up to 300,000 voters were not real voters from your analysis. 300,000 of the people that are registered to vote in Arizona, whether or not they registered, I don't know. But of the voter files of possible voters, over 300,000 were fictitious in my assessment of the data and what the statistics is showing, 
with regards to how they were all correlated again across age and across voting preference. They just uh, certified the election today. What would your message be to the American people, to Governor Ducey, uh, to President Trump, real quick? Uh, my message to uh, the governor would be uncertify it as soon as humanly possible. My message to President Trump is, you're still our president, and it looks like it until at least 2024. Stay fighting. The American people are, are behind you, and the data and the voters are behind you. So we, we just need to keep fighting and make sure that, that uh, justice prevails. Eric? Yeah, and Ben, give Thank us you. a sense, of, if you would, please. Uh, you, you were there all day. You were in the hearings. You actually saw what was happening. For our viewers around the country who didn't have the opportunity to kind of see what transpired over the course of the day, just give us a little sense for what actually took place in Arizona today at the hearings. Well, there's a there's a, a palpable difference in the mindset of the people uh, from what I saw from last week uh, mm -hmm. and then going to Pennsylvania and what we're seeing here in Michigan. A lot of people uh, kind of got the feeling, ah, oh, we're, we're just used to losing. We're used to Republicans caving. And I think we're finally seeing, because of President Trump, uh, Republicans who say, no, this is not acceptable. And, and, and as you said, Bobby, this was going, this has been going on since 2008, it appears. If there, not earlier. Yeah, there is, there is energy to win this fight. And so inside the room, it was, you know, there's different moments. There's, there's outrage when you hear some of this, the information. Uh, and then there was some laughter because it's almost laughable mm -hmm. that, you know, some of the, the, the statistics that are coming out, uh, are, they're, they're laughable. I mean, it's just, it points to so widespread, such widespread voter fraud that it's almost laughable. It'd be laughable if it wasn't so serious and the impacts weren't so serious on the, the, uh, you know, the outcome of not just this election, but of this country. And so there is, you know, there's a, there's a combination, but what I will tell you is the people that are here, uh, they are fired up and they want, they were angry when they heard that the vote was certified today and they want to have that reversed uh, and take it to whatever legal means possible to uh, have these fraudulent votes uncertified and the correct outcome certified. Yeah, and, and Ben and, and, and maybe maybe Bobby as well, uh, talk through again for some for some of the viewers who didn't have a chance to see there and to, to hear what actually happened at the hearing. What were some of the most compelling examples that you felt like really got the attention of the people who were in the room? Well, uh, so Dr. Shiva came right before Bobby and one of the he was doing some statistical analysis as well. Uh, and and when to get the curves, the uh, that that the actual curves of the the vote data that came in, uh, one of the things that he showed was the only way to get that would have had 130 percent of Democrats voting for Biden and negative 30 percent of Democrats voting for President Trump, which again caused some laughter in the room because yeah. clearly that's not possible unless you're changing the numbers. Uh, another one that that got me was the number of people that were voting in Arizona, in Maricopa County specifically, uh, that lived outside of Arizona. So just in mm. Maricopa County, there were estimated 5,700 votes for Joe Biden, or there were, 50, excuse me, 5,700 votes from people that no longer live in Arizona. They've moved to California, other states around the nation. And Bobby, I don't know for, uh, what was, what do you, would you say is the most compelling information? I know uh, yours, you believe yours, is, but from today and all the hearings that we heard today, what is the most compelling piece of information uh, that you saw come out of the hearings today? Um, 
Well, I wasn't watching any of the hearings yeah, to yeah, try yeah. To not to taint my testimony, but I did watch Dr. Shiva speak. And when I was listening to him speak about 1.3 versus negative 30, I think that it jives with what I discovered that there's a bunch of fictitious people. So they, what they did is they modified the data set of potential registered voters that could vote so that they can cover their tracks of changing the, the, the vote ballots cast number and make it harder to detect fraud. And, and that to me was the biggest uh, point. Right. So each one of these uh, wit witness, uh, witnesses were excluded or secluded before their testimony. But what we found was in almost all of the cases, they came to similar results. And that Very to me, when you're coming, that, that is compelling to me. And Ben, just in the, in the 20 seconds that we have left, what's likely to happen next now in Arizona, uh, ne next, next steps? Well, ultimately, they'd have to decertify the elections and they would have to, uh, they're, they're, what they're calling for is a full audit of the vote uh, and ultimately to disqualify these fraudulent votes that took place. It could possibly go to the Supreme Court and then get kicked back for the states to vote. There's several different remedies and that's what's, that's what's being discussed. What, what comes out of today is what's the next step and we'll, ben, and we'll have to wait thanks and see. For, thanks for being there. Thanks for following this uh, for all of us folks. That's Ben Bergquam here with Real America's Voice. We'll be right back. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. And now we're going to turn to Pastor Daryl Scott. You've seen him on Actionable Intelligence before. He is also host of a new show on Real America's Voice Network. Smackdown with Daryl Scott airing weekly on Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. His show just premiered. I want you to take a look at it right now. The one, the only, Barack Hussein Obama is our choice for Smackdown of the week. It's like when you went away to college and you broke up with your girlfriend and you come back home and she's still hanging around your mama's house. Didn't we break up? <laughs> when, when, we, when, when can we be done once and for all with this guy? I mean, at, at this point, it's just uh, the self-absorbed. You got two biographies about yourself. You're not even 60 years old yet. And now here you trot out to get everybody back on the plantation. That's bottom line what it is. 12% of us ran off, and now he's out uh, with his new book and the rest of it trying to now figure out what happened, who left the gate open. It's facts over feelings. Like Kobe said, people realize what happened for them over these last four years, and they went out and voted their interest because they're tired of being uh, put in a place of dependency versus empowerment. The president set up policies so that black people can be empowered, and now here you come to push us back to dependency. That's why he deserves, as we say, a smack. Now, he's written another book about himself, like the the 25th book that he's written about himself. The book is nearly 800 pages long. It's long as the Bible. 
And then he turns around and does an audio book. And the audio book, he read it. In that dull, monotone voice of his, the audio book is 29 hours long. The guy turned around and said, hey, you can't expect me to do or expect a president to do in eight years <laughs> what it took 200 years to uh, accomplish. And I thought to myself, you guys wanted Trump to do it. You know, yes. you wanted Trump to part water. You wanted Trump to work miracles in spite of Mueller investigations, in spite of sham impeachments, in spite of lies by Shifty Shift and, and, and Chuck mm. Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and all these psychos that came against him, Barack Obama. We smack you down, buddy. We smack you down. Smackdown of the week, Barack Obama. Well, folks, he joins us now, Pastor Scott. Pastor, it's great to have you on with us. Tell everybody a little bit about the new show. Well, uh, you know, the name says it all, Smackdown with Gerald Scott. And I want to thank, you know, the producers and the president, Gina Loudon, and different others for having faith in me and allowing me to have this platform and to just be myself. It's mm -hmm. totally unscripted. Um, we have an inkling of what we're going to talk about, but it's just totally unscripted, totally uh, impromptu, ad-lib, spontaneous, however you want to call it. And we talk about a number of the issues that are, we feel are uh, you know, noteworthy in America today, and we have no problem being very, very opinionated and being unfiltered. And so I think it's a good show. I, I didn't want it to be just uh, another news program simply because I'm not a newsman. I don't delude myself into thinking I'm anything other than I am. I don't consider myself a political pundit now or a media journalist or anything like that. I'm just a guy, once again, that has opinions, and I have a mouth, big mouth, and I don't mind expressing those opinions. And, and the powers that be at Real America's Voice allow me this platform to do it, and I'm grateful for that. But I think it's a good show. I've got good guests lined up coming on. I try to bring in guests that I think will fit the personality of the show so we can get on and basically just talk some smack and try to say the things that a lot of Americans are thinking but just haven't said out loud. And one of the things that I love about the show is that you're also having fun, right? You're talking with people about some serious issues about the direction of the country, about the election, about the future, about where we're headed. But you're also having some, some fun with it. Uh, go ahead, please, you know, share with our viewers some of the folks you've already had on. So if they want to go, go catch a clip and well, also some of the folks who you're looking to have on. We've had uh, Leo 2.0 on Terrell. Uh, Angela Staten King, they were on our first show, and we, we had a lot of fun on that one. Uh, this past week, we had the actress from uh, the movie Buffy the Vampire Slayer, among others. That was her debut breakout performance, Christy Swanson. She's a conservative Republican Trump supporter. We had the MMA welterweight champion, number one rated MMA fighter on the planet Earth, and he's very, very opinionated, once again, a conservative, a Trump supporter, Colby Cummington, and we had the actor and singer Robert Dobby. I think we had a good show. Upcoming, I've got Vernon Jones and Tesla Figaro. She's a political commentator. Some very, very strong opinions right there. She's totally unfiltered. Her and I happen to be friends. She's going to come on. I've reached out to several others in this orbit to bring them on, and um, I think we're going to have a great time. Once again, it's unfiltered, very, very spontaneous. And, uh, you know, in this politically sensitive climate, that has been prevalent in America at least for the past four years. You know, 
there's a lot of what people consider to be political incorrectness, and there's a lot of sensitivity, especially, as I said in the first show, especially with white males. White men mm. can't say anything right now. And actually, I'm walking in what I call black privilege. They're talking mm. about white privilege. Black privilege is what's happening these days. You have to understand, we go out, we tear up stores, and we loot, and we vandalize, we take TVs, we do whatever we want to do. And because we're black, everyone is so sensitive to offend us. <laughs> so there are a lot of things that I utilize my black privilege for. And I say a lot of things that Americans think, but they don't want to say out loud. And it is what it is. And once again, I'm having fun with it, like you said. They're allowing me to have fun. I'm able to show a side of me that people aren't able to see when I'm just doing regular. People aren't able to see when I'm just doing regular news segments and different things like that. I'm able right. to be myself. And um, I think it shows a different side of me. And it's going to show a different side of our guest as well. You know, when I had Christy come on, she asked me, well, what's the topic going to be? I said, Christy, to be honest, we're just going to get on the show and see where it takes us. And she said, great. Wherever it takes us, that's where we go and however much time we have allotted. Well, you know, I mean, one of the things that I think we've, we've found here at, at Real America's Voice, and you've been on Actionable Intelligence before, we've been on some of, some of these other shows, is that people really appreciate the fact that we bring people the facts, we bring them real talk, we bring them, you know, a lot of stories that people aren't traditionally talking about, and we're also bringing them perspectives from people who often are ignored by the mainstream media because they're conservative or who are, you know, ignored or, or, or even censored sometimes. We're willing to bring people those stories, bring them those opinions, bring them those facts, and I do think, I think people are really, really enjoying that. I want to I want to get yes. get your, your opinion on one thing we were talking about earlier today. Um, we had on Tim Parlatori, the lawyer for Carter Page. And as all of our you know, viewers remember, you know, Carter Page, patriotic American, who is put under surveillance for a year by a lot of the Obama era Justice Department FBI officials. He's now launched a $75 million lawsuit. Uh, what are your thoughts? I think that his lawsuit is underpriced. <laughs> he should have launched a $750 million lawsuit for what they put him and the American public through. Yeah. It's been four years. The Salem Witch Trials are a pale in comparison to what's been going on in America regarding the conservatives and that were targeted by the left wing in the last four years. It's a shame what they put that man through, and it's a shame that it seems as if they're going unpunished for it. So. I, I salute him in his lawsuit. If there's anything I can contribute, he needs to call me. I'll make up something and go on there with it. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> because it was a shame. I'm glad he did it. And I hope that this is the barrier breaker and the dam burster and the door opener for a number of lawsuits to proceed forth after this, that everyone who was targeted, everyone who was maligned, everyone who was unjustly victimized by the left wing comes forward and sue the draws off of any of those, you know, if you can't think of who to sue, sue everybody. Sue everybody on the left. Sue the left-wing media. Sue the, sue the left-wing Republicans. I mean, Republicans. The left-wing Democrats, <laughs> politicians. Sue all of them. And if there's some rhinos out there that need to get sued, sue them too. <laughs> well, you know, I, look, this is one of the things is that, is that a lot of people now, they're looking back and they're saying, hold on, over the course of years you had a lot of the left media 
pushing this false Russia collusion hoax story over and over and over again, day after day. You had people like Carter Page who had their lives and their reputations ruined by this, you know, what appears to be a tremendous abuse of power. One of the points that Tim made is that a lot of facts about this are already out in the open. And now people want justice. They want to know that the ship is going to be righted, that the Constitution is going to is going to be respected. And I'm sure that a lot of your a lot of your viewers are telling you the same. You're absolutely right. In fact, this might motivate me into a suit of my own because I can think of several lies that were told about me and uh, that were, when I say lies, I mean, it had me looking around like, who, what, where, <laughs> who, I did, who did, I, you know, I remember uh, April Ryan put out a story and said high-ranking Republicans told her that I told the president to uh, do something on Juneteenth on the Edmund Pettus Bridge to desecrate the memory of John Lewis or something, and I read it and was like, I don't even know where you would even imagine something. Oh, they said I talked to Stephen Miller about it. And my wife said, you need to sue her. And I said, you know what? I was so busy at the time. And I said, well, yeah. what, am I gonna, what am I going to sue her for? But now the Carter Page is doing this. I don't know. I might dig my, I might brush that off and go back. And I would love to do discovery and make her have to admit that she lied on me. <laughs> yeah, well, and there I, are look, others I, that, you know what? Even if he doesn't get a monetary damage, he needs to get some type of acknowledgement of the fact that, he was uh, unjustly victimized. Well, he, he's, he certainly, certainly is owed the facts, and all of the American people are. I mean, you, others, me, like a lot of people who've been involved in this, you saw the left just go out there and lie. They were willing to lie. They were willing to promote lies. We'll obviously follow uh, the, the Carter Page story, but we know that everybody is going to be following you, Pastor Scott, on SmackDown. It's always great to have you on. Best of luck with the new show. We'll be watching, Thank folks. You. That's Pastor Daryl Scott. Catch him this weekend here on Real America's Voice and SmackDown.